Hi there, welcome to HR Shop Talk. I'm your host, Andrea Adams. We talk about HR here with smart, experienced people who have done the work. You can also find me on YouTube where you can interact with me and other people like yourself. So today my guest is Shelly Billinghurst. Shelly's a recruitment expert. She's the president of Higher Value and she's the co-host of the Recruitment Flex, which is an awesome podcast about recruitment. Hi, Shelly, how are you? I'm good, Andrea. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. And thank you for the little plug there about um, the Recruitment Flex podcast. That was very sweet. Yeah, well, it is great. I've listened to I've listened to some of it, and uh, you and Serge do a great job. And I've had Serge on before, um, but today we're talking about job ads, and I'm I have had I've struggled with that to be honest because I'm not a great writer. So I'm looking forward to your tips about this. Uh, so when we're in, when we're talking about amazing job ads. What are the features? What does an amazing kick-ass job ad look like? I think for as long as I've been in recruitment, Andrea, which is, um, uh, let's just say more than 20 years. <laughs> um, I've been in the talent acquisition side, whether it was from executive search, uh, corporate, and then I started higher value eight years ago. And my mission has never, ever changed. And that is, you know, for every ounce of effort that we put into a job ad, we get a 10x return. However, what we have and what we are dealing with is 90, I would easily say 95% of organizations take the job description and slap it up on their website and wait for people to show up. So imagine a place, imagine a world where you put a little bit of effort into writing something that is um, interesting, attractive, assumes that people want this job, that talks about how interesting the work is, what sort of quality of applicant do you think you're going to attract? Do you know, um, Andrea, that's really where it starts is you gotta put a little effort in here. Um, and, and I know what the pressure is like, like I've worked in internal recruiting teams. I now consult to companies to help them maximize the effectiveness of their recruiting teams. And I know the pressure. The leaders have this fixation, just post it, just post it, just get the job up, just post it. Recruiters usually have, you know, sometimes as many as 30 open recs on their desk. You know, so so what that tells me is that you're never really given a chance. If you've got 30 open recs, you're not a recruiter, you're a recruitment administrator. You are administering a process of posting jobs. A recruiter will go, hold matters. I need to fully understand what does success look like in this role? I've never done this work. I've never been an accountant. What makes you think I can understand why an accountant would quit where they are now and apply for your job? So where, you know, when you're looking at that job ad, where do you put the effort? Like the whole thing? How do you do this? I always, I think good recruiters are always looking at what other people are doing, right? Yeah. So um, even if you were an HR person looking for another HR job, what would you want to see or hear to make you go, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to apply for this job. What is it? Is it because 
they've got a list, a laundry list, their wish list of mm. must have, must have, must have, must have. Oh, and let's not forget, they're always going to say must have excellent communication skills, both verbal and written. So here's the irony. The fact is you can't even articulate in a written communication what you want. Oh, so, that is ironic, isn't it? Right? Like, okay, so what? what is what is good communication? Does it mean I give presentations? Does it mean that I can enthusiastically say the same thing a hundred times in one day with the same level of energy from the first time to the hundredth time in one day? Is that good communication to you? Like, I don't know. Um, so yeah, so that's that's what kills me is there's great examples out there. Um, there's wonderful resources, but you have to be curious enough to say, you know what? The results I'm getting just stink. So yeah. then you get mad at the candidates and think, well, they're just they're just like shotgunning it, right? I'll apply to anything. Well, excuse me, hold on. Let's look in the mirror here for a minute. What did you just post? You posted a half-hearted, outdated list wish list of things that you're demanding the person have. What do you expect? Like, do you really expect people to be inspired and say, yes, I'm going to quit my job and go work there? You know, just another pile of crap I'm going to go step in. So you talk about job ads and, you know, written communication, well, written and verbal. Uh, is that one of the top three mistakes you see? And if not that one, what are the top three? Ah, oh, thank you for asking. <laughs> Okay, so this, is, this is my point of view. Okay. This is somebody. So I've been in recruiting for 20 plus years. I have personally been involved in hiring well over 3,800 people. And I'll tell you what, you stick to a good template, best practice, and you will have success. You will. So okay. the three mistakes that I, that I see first and foremost, just post the job description. It is a document intended for the uh, retention, training, longevity, and most importantly, how do you properly compensate for this role? It's, it is a comp document, but it is also, as you know, when things go horribly wrong mm -hmm. and someone refuses to perform the work, you whip out the job description and you beat them over the head with it. Well, it's and that, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it's a weapon, right? <laughs> can be yes when things when things go horribly wrong so right. so imagine using that same document to try and attract the ideal person you're trying to hire like it doesn't work as soon as companies or clients talk about you know nobody wants like where are all the applicants gone or nobody wants to work the first thing i would say is look in the mirror Read your job description, pretend you're the ideal candidate and say to yourself, would I really want this job? Probably not. So that's mistake number one. Mistake number two is, in my opinion, the you will, you will, you will, you will. And so when I see a job ad that has like five or 10 bullet points and all of them start with you will, you will, you will. So how does that even feel when I'm saying it, Andrea? Like, does it feel like I'm wagging my finger at you? 
saying, you will do this. You will, you will. It feels feels just a bit, well, it feels a bit intimidating or just uncomfortable. I know I will get pushback on this, on my opinion of this particular thing quite often, because people will say, no, what we're trying to do is, is help the candidate project and see themselves doing the work. Uh. I mean, I know that's the intention, but unless you are really good at, as a writer, as a copywriter, it doesn't come across that way. Mm. It doesn't. I know that's what you intended, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't come across that way. Mm -hmm. And then the third one, the thing that makes me cringe is stating the obvious. And, And so what I mean by that, so some of my, my favorite cringe worthy reads on a job ad would be. In the position of accountant, you will report to the manager of accounting. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Wow. That's inspirational. And a shocker. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> or so stating the other obvious is um, I can I can tell you when somebody has not even read what they just posted. Right. They refer to themselves like six times in the job ad there's so like to to think that the candidate journey is just they saw your job posting and they're so inspired to go work there no we can find out anything we need to know about what it's really like to work there so the purpose of the job ad is to inspire me to apply because if i want to know what your culture is like or how terrible it is to work there i can figure that out in three minutes or less Yes. Mm-hmm. However, that 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 is a whole other topic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is such a topic. It is. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to talk about that, but let's just keep on job ads. Okay. Okay. So what different difference does it make? I mean, I guess you've already said, but maybe paint a succinct picture of what you've seen in the difference between posting an average ad and posting a great ad. So the difference between good and great is the ability to write to that person. And I'll tell you when I know we have absolutely nailed it. And anyone who's reported to me as a recruiter over the years will tell you this is when the candidate, when you, when you're speaking to the applicant, this is somebody that, you know, based on their resume, you think they're, they're great potential. Do you know what they say? I swear you wrote that job ad just for me. When I read it, I said, wow. This was written just for me. You've heard candidates say that hundreds of times. Really? Hundreds. Yes. Oh, yes. Right. So, so now that is when you are asked to recruit the impossible, and it's not impossible. It never is. Um, that's what great recruiters do. Is if I've got a really good idea of you know, not just the list of demands must have all these software. No, let's turn that around and talk about, here's the tools we're going to provide you to do a great job. Mm -hmm. Right? Did you feel the difference? Yeah. Versus a demand list? If you found this helpful, subscribe to see all the episodes and comment. Have you created a kick-ass job ad that 
created lots of results for you. What tips or tricks do you have for the audience? Let us know in the comment section. Okay, so uh, I am a super not inspired writer. Are there tools out there that can help me, the uninspired writer, get better at this? Oh, yes, and they're free. <laughs> okay. There's, there's lots of free tools out there. As, as recruiters, I think what we want to do is we want to stay consistent with the tone of the brand of the company you're working for. So, you know, using NMAX as an example, they have a very specific voice how they want to talk, how they want to be seen, right? right? And so it's really important to know that. However, if you're not working for the likes of an NMAX and you've got a little bit creative freedom, uh, take your job description. This is your plain, bland, flat text job description yes. and yeah. pop it in a tool called jasper.ai. So Jasper will take it and you can tell Jasper there's a paid side and then there's a free side. But on the paid side, which is like 10 bucks, <laughs> like it's, it's not expensive, right? That's so on the paid it. side, you can you can ask Jasper to rewrite this, maybe this paragraph, but to do it in a lighthearted way or ask Jasper to break it down into simple terms, Does right? It more than job ads? Anything. Wow. You can take any text and put it in there and uh, and ask it like what sort of vibe are you trying to come from like right. do you want to be like funny or do you want to be more serious or do you want to be more um like you want to shorten this if you want to take something that is you know currently you know 300 characters and we need to get it down to a twitter size of 150 or whatever um it'll do that and make suggestions wow. yeah so so that's one tool. And the other thing is just using, like I usually keep a window open, the thesaurus, yeah. to give me inspiration. Um, if if you're at all thinking about uh, problematic words that will discourage certain demographic groups from even applying, then you need to be aware what those words are. There is another free tool that you can drop your job ad into and it will identify problematic words. It'll also tell you if your job description or job ad is more masculine or feminine and give you a score and tell you what the problematic words are. So here's what's absolutely fascinating. I love like just for fun. This is how weird I am, Andrea. Just for fun, I will take somebody's job ad and say Benevity. Okay. Not that I don't know anybody at Benevity, but I know they kind of promote themselves as being all inclusive workplace, blah, blah, blah. Right, right, right. Okay. Take one of their job ads and drop it into this gender decoder. And it is written by a man for a man and is so heavily masculine. No woman would ever apply for this job. And if they did, it would be, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> Okay. What is that tool, by the way? It's called a gender decoder. Just Google gender decoder. And it was actually developed by the University of Waterloo. It is a, it's a foundational um, algorithm, I would say, for pretty much all DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion type solutions because wow. their research is so rock solid. It is, it is considered to be 
as far as I know, the best available on the market. Oh, and it's free. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of companies that help with, because you can actually buy tools um, that you layer onto your applicant tracking system that will help you with not just your job ad, but your interview guides as well. But that's going to cost you. That's going to cost you. And it's not cheap. And it's based on the same research as the gender decoder. Huh. Well, that is so interesting. I'm like 100% checking that out too. Okay. okay. So if, you know, you said that a hundred times you've had someone come to you and say, I think you wrote that job ad for me. Mm-hmm. What if you're hiring like 10 or 20 people, or maybe you're hiring a hundred people mm-hmm. for the same position? Quality matters a lot, you know? And, and so um, whether it's one or 200 of the same, for every ounce of effort you put in to, first of all, defining what does success look like? What, why would somebody want this job? What's in it for them? What's in it for them? And what's in it for them? It's a complete flip of a job description, which is what you must do for me. Right. right? It's the, it's the opposite. It's the absolute opposite of a job description. How do you get the manager on board with that lip? Because often they, you know, they want all these things. I want this kind of person and they have to do this and they have to have this qualification and this and this. And because I've had that person who didn't have that and it was a disaster. So how do you get the manager to think about this differently? Yeah. Do you know, I think said every recruiter everywhere in the world at the same time. Um, If I have a relationship that is, of mutual respect, mm-hmm. then that becomes, honestly, it's, it's, it's a given. It, we're working together, right? Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't matter to you who we hire, then just give me the job description and I'll post it on the internet. It's most difficult, I think, for somebody who's new in their role, yeah. who's yeah. who's not really developed any sort of relationship with the hiring leader. Right. Because that to me is what great recruiters do is we are the absolute sandwich. We develop relationships with candidates and we develop relationships with hiring managers. And we need to negotiate with both parties mm-hmm. because the candidate has got no reason to leave if they're already doing this same job somewhere else. This is a lateral move. Like, oh, no thanks. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. And unless you're Apple or Nike or, um, you know, a big five in your industry, you don't have much hope that people are inspired to take a lateral move. Quick, I have a, a few um, final questions here. Okay. Uh, my one here is, Okay, and this is just fairly random. Do you should you put your salary in a kick-ass job ad? Uh, I if you could give me one good reason why not to, honestly, because here's what's here's the reality. Um, Indeed owns eighty to eighty-five percent of job seekers in Canada. Okay. okay, so let that soak in. That's a lot. Eight. Yeah. 0.5 people out of 10 will go to Indeed when they're looking for a job. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In the entire population of Canada. Okay. So they own it. 
Yeah. What Indeed does really, really well is they are relentless about the candidate experience. That's why they own 85% of the market. And candidates are saying, just tell me what the job pays. Don't make me do a text interview and a one-way video interview and then do an assignment. Just tell me what it pays because I'm not leaving if it doesn't pay more than what I'm making right now. Right. right? So simple. So here's the fact, Andrea. By December 31st of this year, 2022, Indeed has committed publicly all job ads on Indeed will have a pay range. Okay. All right. Pays in. So if you don't post it, Indeed is going to publish an estimated pay range oh. on your job ad. Okay. And there is no taking it off because job seekers are demanding it. Okay. Okay. So that, that, that train has left the station. You have to post clearly, your pay rate. It clearly has. Okay. Um, and final question here. So how you know you say indeed has 80 to 85 percent of the market mm -hmm. but could that change how fast does job seeker behavior change and how important is it for recruiters to keep pace with that and and then in the end you know respond by a job ad yeah um so i think every recruiter i am working with across the board is so painfully aware of what has changed. So I don't think it's jobs. So, so here's the biggest change in job seeker behavior. If you make me register before I can apply for a job, oh. as of today, 92% of people will abandon the apply process. Mm -hmm. I am not going to fill out your stupid forms and I am not going to fill in nine pages of information because your parsing technology doesn't work. Uh -huh. In fact, in fact, I have a client who saw this is the change. This is just since 2019. They would typically post a job and they're a huge, they're a billion dollar corporation and they would get, you know, at least 40 applicants. Um, roll the clock forward to even 2021, they wouldn't get a single applicant and the job would be posted for months. You know why? Register to apply. And absolutely nobody is going to endure that. Not a top candidate anyway. No. Who's a desirable, who's a desirable commodity. They're not, why? They don't need to. Why would they? So your applicant tracking system is now ensuring that you are only attracting C players, not A players and not B players. Yes. Because there's no way any self-respecting person would do that, especially if you say you apply, most people apply to maybe five to eight jobs. Mm -hmm. I think after the second time of doing it, you won't bother. Thanks, Shelly. That was so great. There were so many awesome tips in there. Uh, I did an episode on recruitment automation with Serge Boudreau, which is Shelley's co-host. Thanks for watching and see you next time.